listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 5th of October 2021. Uh, Later, how limited housing stock is impacting prices. But first to Facebook, which suffered a major outage overnight, hitting its Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp services for more than seven hours. Shares in the US fell 5% as a result, meaning its CEO Mark Zuckerberg lost about $6 billion US dollars overnight. So where to now for the company? I spoke earlier with Alex Pollack. He's the Chief Investment Officer at Loftus Peak. Alex, how has this outage impacted Facebook financially? Well, well, they'll lose, you know, obviously a day's worth of transactions or two days' worth of transactions with their advertisers, et cetera. But, but it's more reputational, right? I mean, it, people, you know, Facebook's kind of a bit, um, let's just say, not on the way up, but possibly on a little bit of a slide right now reputationally. A lot of the kids, a lot of people generally prefer to use other platforms, increasingly Snapchat. Um, um, and Instagram was also affected, which is a, which is a Facebook brand as well. So uh, it's a couple of days of transactions, I would think, at this point. A, do you know the value of those transactions? And B, do you have an, a, an idea of the implication for, for Mark Zuckerberg? Well, Zuckerberg dropped about $6 billion US last night, if you just look at the last night's figures. And if you go back a couple of months, the stock's off 20%. So really, you know, uh, $24 billion is probably what he's done over the last couple of months. So do you, do you think, to what extent do you think this will have a reputational impact on Facebook? Well, that's the main problem, right? Um, you know, if it's the go-to platform and it stops being the go-to platform because of outages, uh, you know, users don't like that. Uh, it's not going to, you know, rip users away from them, but it's just, as it were, one more, you know, little problem in a kind of mounting sea of problems. He tried to get the Instagram thing up for kids, Facebook for kids, Instagram for kids. And, you know, given the, I mean, there are Schools have thought out there that the way Facebook, you know, results in uh, unhappy users because of body shaming issues, et cetera, et cetera, is, you know, makes it a dangerous product. So, you know, that's out there as well. There's a lot of problems the company's facing right now. But it's still an advertising powerhouse at $110 billion US dollars a year. So... <laughs> How do you see it all playing out, though? Because there are also, um, you know, a whistleblower came out last week accusing the company of betraying democracy. You've got those Instagram for teenager issues, which you mentioned uh, just a second ago. How do you see it playing out? Um, I think it's, I think Facebook is on a slow slide right now. I think there are serious problems and the company themselves, the problems that the company itself has is that it appears to have been less than candid about um what it knew and when it knew about the impact on teenagers and kids of the problems that it faced, one, and two, the, the you know, there are issues around what's said on Facebook around COVID and, you know, people have, people's health has suffered as a result of that. You can't blame that directly on Facebook, but it is a factor in the mix. So, um, and the regulators themselves are kind of a little bit tired of it. Uh, you know, Facebook kind of pushing its way around, so to speak. And so finally, as an investment, what's the outlook for Facebook and the broader tech sector? Well, Facebook's 
I think its biggest growth days are clearly behind it. I'm sure of that. Um, um, its biggest growth days are behind it, and that's why they're scrambling. I mean, they'd have to be digging pretty deep, right, to be even thinking about trying to launch a product aimed at 10 to 12-year-olds, given the demonstrated lack of safety of their mainstream product. So that tells you that they are running out of uh, options for growth, I think. I mean, they're talking about, you know, virtual reality and the metaverse and a whole bunch of other things, but they're kind of a long way off. So, um, you know, the growth is slowing in Facebook, that's for sure. Reputational issues don't help. If the, if the US government legislates against them, that won't be, you know, that'll be another negative. There's a bunch of problems in there. Alex Pollock there from Loftus Peak. Now to the Reserve Bank, which left official interest rates on hold at 0.1%. That continues to be a record low, but pointed to tighter lending rules for borrowers. For more, I spoke with the senior economist at Nomura, Andrew Tyshurst. Andrew, how, how does the RBA feel about the Delta strain's impact on the economy and the ability, more important, for it to bounce back? Yeah, hi, of course. Um, look, the, the RBA continue to describe the, this broad scenario as something which has uh, slowed the economy, but it hasn't completely derailed the recovery. So Q3 GDP is going to be negative. We know that. They've told us that. Um, but they're expecting a bounce back from Q4. And I think the data that we're seeing uh, is consistent with that view as well. Can we break up some of the statement into parts of the economy? First of all, housing, a lot of people talking about the housing market. Any further clues about the possibility of tighter lending rules? Look, that is creeping closer. And we did get one or two new little uh, sets of words and ideas in there. Uh, the RBA today noted that the Council of Financial Regulators has met recently and is discussing this issue. Uh, they've been warning for months that lending standards need to be maintained. And they said something uh, new today about the importance of loan serviceability uh, buffers. So ensuring that borrowers have capacity to repay if interest rates were to go up. Um, wages are subdued, but we are starting to see global supply chain impacts on some goods and services, I guess. Um, the RBA says the impact on inflation is limited. Is there a risk that it is wrong on that? Look, there is a risk, certainly. Um, we see more upside inflation risk than we have done in many years. Uh, certainly globally, uh, speaking with my colleagues, we're seeing supply chain pressures and now we're looking at higher oil prices and higher commodity prices. Global markets are indicating some concern about this. So it was interesting to see that the RBA today said they're fairly relaxed on this front. But, you know, I think we'll really have to keep, keep an eye out here because that is a genuine risk that these higher commodity prices and higher inflation pressures do start to feed through. The narrative from central banks globally has that, is that this will be very transitory, but I, I think there's increasing risk that some of it won't be. Given that, though, the RBA still says that conditions for a rate rise won't be met until at least 2024, do you think there's a threat it could happen sooner? Look, the RBA, uh, despite the outlook picking up a little bit, the RBA, I think, is being very aggressive on the cash rate. Uh, 
they're continuing to say that uh, basically they need to see inflation sustainably inside the target band before they will consider a rate hike. They think we need to get wage growth up to 3% plus, and we're a long way from that point. So it seems that on the cash rate, they're prepared to keep their foot pretty much flat to the floor to go for growth, to try and pursue those numbers. But they are contemplating modest tightening in some areas, macroprudential policy, as we discussed, and also their actions at the longer end of the bond curve. Uh, the RBA has been engaged in a quant easing bond buying program like many other central banks. They've eased their foot off the accelerator a little bit there, but when it comes to the cash rate, the foot is flat to the floor. They're clearly indicating no rate hike for, for a long time. Andrew Tice is there, the senior economist at Nomura. Uh, let's continue on the housing theme because lower listing numbers are also having an impact on prices. SQM Research says there was a 0.6% decline in the number of residential property listings in September nationally, and that's down about 26% year on year. For more, I spoke earlier with Louis Christopher from SQM Research. Louis, to what extent do you think the number of listings are impacting home prices? growth? I think that, that the number of listings is actually having a major impact upon price growth. Effectively, what we're recording out there today is a major shortage of properties. Uh, the level of listings is actually at a record low on our numbers and our series goes back to 2010. I would suggest right now that for every property listed, there's about two buyers in the marketplace. So there's a squeeze in the market that's taking place as we speak, and that is in part what is driving up prices. Listings rose in Sydney and Melbourne. Both those cities are under lockdown. As we come out, though, what do you think will happen? Yes, I think as we come out of lockdown, we will see more listings. And indeed, when we look at the, the forward number of listings for October, there, there is a rise going on. Uh, with Sydney and Melbourne coming out of lockdown, it means that vendors uh, have more confidence that if they list their property today, they will be able to put buyers through their property. Buyers will be able to physically inspect that property. Whereas before, many buyers were having to buy a site unseen, and that creates a lot of uncertainty for vendors, as you might expect. So, yes, there will be a rise in, in listings, but despite that, uh, I still think that there's many more buyers out there right now than sellers. So we should still see a rise in price as we, a rise in prices as we get, come through to uh, Christmas. Um, the hottest market, where is it? In our opinion right now, Brisbane is the hottest market. We've seen a major fall off in listings. We've seen a major increase in asking prices. So vendors are lifting their asking prices quite rapidly in that city. Uh, thereafter, Brisbane, I would have to say regional Australia is still in hot demand right now by buyers. And then the Sydney housing market, particularly for freestanding houses in Sydney, uh, we recorded a 4% rise in asking prices for the month of September. That was a significant rise and it means year on year, asking prices in Sydney are up by 25%. And speaking of prices, how do you feel about the future of house price growth? And what about the potential for macroprudential measures? Are they just around the corner? Well, I think for the here and now, the market is going to move up. It's going to move up through to at least Christmas. But thereafter in 2022, it's very likely that we'll see the regulators step in and try to slow the market down. And they'll do that through macroprudential tools. 
with a focus on trying to limit uh, loan applications or lending towards high debt to income applicants. Uh, so that, that's very uh, that's a very likely scenario we will see for next year. Now, what they actually do remains to be seen. Potentially, the regulators could just put the brakes slightly on the housing market and we might not see much of a slowdown at all. Or they could become quite aggressive and we could see some sharp falls in the market. So we wait and see exactly what the regulators have in mind. Uh, my bet is they'll probably go light to begin with. They don't wish to create or trigger some type of housing price crash. But if their action doesn't work, then they will increasingly step on the brakes uh, throughout the course of 2022. Louis Christopher there from SQM Research and the Australian share market down 0.4% as tech stocks took a tumble. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.